We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do these teams have a chance at winning some top prizes over the next couple of weeks in these playoff contests? We're going to go through some of our teams that have made it through to the next stage of underdog tournaments. We're going to talk a little bit about FFPC tournaments. We're also going to preview ahead to the FFPC playoff two contests, which are now live. You can get involved over there. So we're going to have a, a lot to discuss on today's show, Sean. We did our recap show, which was obviously before Monday Night Football. We have Monday Night Football, where the Dallas Cowboys really and truly you know easily dealt with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Buccaneers really really struggling that one Dak Prescott looking really good team looking good as a whole so since we last talked Sean what were your thoughts on Monday Night Football and how things played out there well it was an exciting game even though it was an exciting game from a fantasy perspective it was the end of the Tom Brady legend that's for sure (laughs) he was he was awful throughout Chris Godwin tried to carry him Mike Evans tried to get some fantasy points at the end and failed to do so. But this is all about the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott elevating multiple guys. You get the touchdown for Michael Gallup. That almost knocked you and me out of our it underdog really gauntlet tournament. You get the fourth down touchdown to CeeDee Lamb. Obviously, Dalton Schultz is the big winner of this game, scoring huge points. If you had him as a leverage play in FFPC, you're probably pretty happy right at this moment because as they go in now to the 49ers a terrible matchup for tony pollard and ezekiel elliott they're going to need to beat the 49ers through the air if they can prescott rallies back off of one of the worst performances of his career he also rallies back off of that week one debacle and so if you're again a cowboys fan you've got to be very excited about this setup the defense also rising up after they allowed Sam Howell and the commander's running game to tear them apart just one week ago. It does set us up for a lot of great narratives. I think this gives us the best playoff matchups that we could possibly have. The Giants right now look fantastic. The Jaguars are an up-and-coming team. The divisional round I mean, could be the most fun weekend in all of football. Yeah, and I know we were looking forward last week to the wildcard weekend, but I did mention at that time, this is the weekend I think that I truly look forward to when you kind of have the pure elite of the elite teams 
left. And I know some teams will be saying, well, maybe the New York Giants aren't that. Maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't that. But they did enough last week to fit in to this final group of eight teams. So we have the Bengals, the Bills, the Cowboys, the 49ers, with the Eagles in there, with the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think this is going to be absolutely awesome. Four games, two Saturday, two Sunday should be tremendous. And obviously, those playoff contests and the teams we talk about today will be filtered through that. Sean, just going back, you mentioned that we get a four passing touchdown day and a one rushing touchdown day for Dak Prescott in this one. Dalton Schultz is number seven for 95 and two touchdowns. So massive day for him. And we did script through with that CD Lamb touchdown that, that got us over the line. Some big fourth down plays here by the Cowboys that Dak Prescott rushing touchdown and that CD Lamb touchdown both coming in fourth down. And you mentioned Tom Brady. I, I have to say that I was just baffled with his interception. I've talked about some red zone interceptions this year. That was not what we were expecting to see early in the game from Tom Brady. And I think that really set the the outlook here. And, and Julio Jones gets in the end zone. It's always nice to, to see things like that happening, but obviously doesn't count for much in this one. So those games, Sean, that I mentioned coming up this weekend, I think there's a lot to be excited about. Is there any particular one that, that you're most excited about, or are you just excited about them all? I know you're excited about the Chiefs because you want the Chiefs to win, but that that buffalo sensei game is should be something special here it should be but as i've talked a little bit about on stealing pants i think the jaguars are in with a chance now you watch that first half last week and you're thinking to yourself any of those predictions about the jaguars getting the giving the chiefs trouble <laughs> look extremely silly because not only are they not going to give the chiefs trouble but they're going to lose in a blowout fashion to the chargers that second half and the momentum they have off of it, the variety of weapons that they have, I think that game is going to be phenomenal. I think, too, if you played a Philadelphia upset team in the FFPC playoff contest, because one of the things, obviously, that you're looking to do there is to put together a lineup that would benefit in certain scenarios, one of which could be that the Giants advance and the Eagles lose. I, don't, I, I think you have to be a lot more optimistic about that. After this last week, I know I said some very flowery things about Daniel Jones on yesterday's show, but I truly believe that he is now emerging not just to a competent NFL starter, but a potentially elite starter. And we we love Isaiah Hodgins. If you want a little bit more background to that, go in and check out the site. Blair Andrews, one big thing this week, focuses on Hodgins and his journey and why we liked him as a prospect coming out of college in the first place especially if they get Saquon Barkley involved in the receiving game, then they now have the variety and the weapons to make this a compelling game with the Eagles. One of the things that you saw with all those Daniel Jones rushing attempts is that you are extending drives. You're keeping the ball out of the hands of Jalen Hurts and the Eagles playmakers. I mean, the Eagles are going to try and do the same thing on their side, but if the Giants can control the ball a little bit more than people expect then the game will be close. And once the game is close, then anything could happen. We saw that with the Dolphins. We saw that with the Ravens. So we were almost out both of our AFC superpowers from the wild card weekend. I think we're going to have an upset this week. And what that upset is and how you play it is going to determine how well you do in the FFPC playoff too. It's going to determine how you do in the second wave of gauntlet drafts. I just can't wait, Colin. It's been a lot of fun. And one of the reasons why it's been a lot of fun is that the approach that we took in the first wave went well. And you always feel more enthusiasm for the playoffs and for the fantasy contests when that does happen. You and I drafted four teams in the underdog tournament, two gauntlet teams, one in gauntlet one, one in gauntlet two. We drafted a couple of mitten teams. 
We had our gauntlet one team advance by one point with the CD Lamb touchdown at the end. We had our Nitten one team advance in a close matchup. We had our gauntlet two team finish second, and the gauntlet was one where the top six teams, only one of them advance. So you got to be the top guy. We finished second. That's unfortunate, but you like the fact that you got up in there. So 50% advance on that. The tactics that we discussed in our shows and on the website had a, a long series there. I feel good about them. I ended up doing 50 teams to make sure that the content matched with what's actually going on in these drafts. And then I could explain why and how we were taking this particular approach. 23 of the 50 teams ended up advancing. Six additional teams finished second and were in the version of the contest where only one team advanced. So 29 of the 50 teams finished in the top two. And while first round advance was a big part of what we were trying to accomplish, they are set up to where you have Super Bowl rosters and you can advance through multiple rounds in addition. Now, there are definitely some teams where if the Chargers had won, that would have helped. But especially kind of looking back and having T. Higgins as the highest rostered player and 0% of Gabe Davis to have the 23 out of 50 advance with 29 out of 50 in the top two. I, I like the way that it worked. Now, could the playoffs have gone differently in the first week and had it not happened that way? Obviously it could. So you don't want to sit there and say, oh, you know, we knew exactly how it was going to work and it worked and you know, do it exactly like that. But that gave me a good feeling about it. It was exciting. We've got a lot to look forward to now as we go through the next several weeks. Colin, our gauntlet one team, it was one of the earliest teams drafted. And so you're going to get ADPs that are very different than several weeks later. Very, very different. How does that team look? Yeah, even even we just were I got Sean to to share the screenshots with me before we kicked this off. And the ADP is actually surprising in a number of these teams. And I'm I'm looking forward to going through it. But I really like how this team in particular is stacking up. It's a Christian McCaffrey team, which for people who listened in to these shows when we drafted these teams, they're heavily influenced by Christian McCaffrey. We drafted from the sixth slot. We got Christian McCaffrey, C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, Brant Nayuk. Of course, Sean, we get the now legendary quarterback who is Brock Purdy. We got him, Sean, at that point at the 31st pick overall. It was the first pick of the the sixth round last week it started to get pretty comical i was seeing you know first second third overall picks for for purdy i think peter Overzet may have something to do with uh, some of those selections being pushed up as high as they have been but we got him there obviously had a nice first game off the playoffs here we did have lamar jackson then as our second quarterback obviously that didn't play out because he didn't play obviously and now the baltimore ravens are out we got dk metcalf who had the huge game this past week tyler boyd and then tyler lockett as well when I looked through this team, Sean, before we started recording, there's some interesting ADP, and one of those points is Saquon Barkley, who was the 49th pick in this draft. It was the first pick off the ninth round, and obviously he moved up a little bit as it went along, but he was somebody who at that time the Giants weren't as clear to make it in, and some of these back end of the draft picks were potential wildcard weekend plays. So Saquon Barkley at 49, if we could go back in time and make the perfect pick, I think it would be a case of, skipping on Lamar Jackson and going DK Metcalf, Saquon Barkley back to back at that point. But overall, this is a roster that heading into this current week, we have Christian McCaffrey, CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, Branton Ayuk, Brock Purdy, and Tyler Boyd, all available, missing out obviously on Lamar Jackson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. I'm pretty pretty excited about this in the gauntlet. There's obviously going to be some challenges, but you mentioned as well, 
you know, having a high percentage of T Higgins and still making it true in some of these and, you know, not having some of the, the heavy hitters maybe from last week, but still advancing. It is a situation where the way the combination of the players work out makes all these teams unique, same in the, the FFPC playoff contest. And I think that makes it very interesting where you're kind of just hoping that those guys that have, aren't on a team where it's really stacked up that, that puts you in a, a hole to try and catch up. But how are you feeling about this particular lineup? Really good. You mentioned it would have been great to have Barkley. This team drafted back when I mean, we thought, obviously, Lamar Jackson was going to be able to play by playoff time. And the uncertainty around Brock Purdy was still very, very real. And at this point, if you're drafting a Purdy team, if you drafted a Purdy team in the last week, week and a half going into wildcard weekend, you'd have drafted him solo and been very happy to have done that. The other element here was that at this point in time, it did look like the Vikings were going to get the two seed. And so you're hoping to play those Seahawks against the Vikings have a little bit better upset chance. But the Seahawks players do still come through with Metcalf being the catalyst to push us across and get T. Higgins into another round where he potentially could do what he didn't do in wildcard weekend. Our approach, especially in the first half of the contest, when the prices were very palatable on 49ers and Bengals, was to play that as our Super Bowl. This is one of those teams to get it through here, especially in the Gauntlet 1. Very exciting and a a live team. One of the reasons why so many of the teams made it, we did have, as you mentioned, a lot of Christian McCaffrey, did have a lot of Saquon Barkley. And so having the Giants upset last week, helps those teams as we look to second round advance because now Saquon Barkley will be a big weapon this weekend. That part of it doesn't obviously help this team, but big picture, that's one of the reasons why we're there with these teams. Column, I can't wait. The other element of it here is that we did quite a bit of content on the FFPC playoff contest. And Colin, you and I have a couple teams in each of the contests at the $200 level and the $35 level that are looking good. Also had the good fortune to put together teams with Connor, Ben, and Bjorn Yang Burnett, who does our great waiver wire articles. Bjorn, a fantastic up-and-coming writer. Everybody should check him out. The team that he put together for me is currently 299th out of 16,000 in the FPC contest column. The team that you put together for us in that tournament is just a few spots behind i think at 357 how are we looking for our ffpc playoff teams as we head into the divisional round yeah i think we're looking to be again in a pretty good spot we did three teams together which um one of those teams is really in the mid-range 151 points after this current week but there is a long way to go the other teams are 187 points but our highest scoring team is in the fbg tournament and that is at 192.2 my one regret, Sean, from this weekend is that we talked about this on the, the recap show. We had some opportunities to maybe go with DK Metcalf, which I lent us to avoid. I think that that 192 team could be right there in the mix at the, the top end if we had a, a DK Metcalf slotted in there. I don't know which one you're most excited about. They're all based in rosters that have CMC, Keenan Allen, and Travis Kelsey, the two teams that have hit off for us, one in each of the tournaments also have TJ Hawkinson, Saquon Barkley. We talked a little bit on the recap show about avoiding Justin Jefferson on two of the teams where we did go Hawkinson, and I think that their pivot has worked out quite well for us. We did score relatively low, Sean, in both of them with the defense. We have the Dallas defense in one that was four points. They have progressed through. We have the Jacksonville defense in the other that was three points. They have progressed through. So soft fit in those defenses could still work out in the following round. But kickers and defenses was an area where we didn't hit 
we did hit on pretty much all the other players that are added in there and those teams also are travis kelsey teams like i mentioned but one has Devontae smith the other has aj brown so it's gonna be interesting i think how those wide receivers do this week could really make us pivot as to, to which way we're looking moving forward but when we look at some of the roster ships sean we mentioned some of these on the recap show but dk metcalf this is a question i, I kind of had that i wanted to put to you dk metcalf is three to four percent owned across those tournaments and the dolphins dst was two percent owned and obviously dolphins put up 21 points which is going to give them a big edge dk metcalf is a massive day going to give them a big edge when a, when a player is three to four or two percent rostered do you think that is a player who can make a difference or is it unlikely based on how few teams they are actually rostered on yeah so you i mean you desperately want to hit on those guys who were not played and that part of it was exciting because the teams i have with ben the team i have with connor those are metcalf teams and just that piece now positions us to finish high up in the tournament when everything else is more or less even and so the tricky part here was trying to figure out how to get Metcalf and a Jaguar in. That's something that Connor and I talked about. It becomes difficult because then you start to fade some really high-end players that not only have extremely high projections, but you also expect them to advance through. In the end, obviously, that would have been the play. The move that we made on our teams and I made on other teams this last weekend that has been magnificent is to go with Hawkinson with Barkley. So you're betting on the the Vikings to lose. You're betting on Hawkinson in this tight end premium format where he has been so brilliant with the Vikings to outscore Jefferson and perhaps outscore Jefferson in a big way, which is what happened. And then you have Barkley, the real stud move along. The, the issue here is, I mean, you'd love to have Barkley be a little bit lower rostered himself, but those two pieces together, I think have been the key to the contest along with that Metcalf piece. So that part of it, absolutely fantastic. The one regret that I have is that we had talked a lot about how Keaton Allen would potentially outscore Austin Eckler, especially in a loss, but that their projections and how white hot Allen had been that part. Of that, and that's the kind of thing from a rally perspective too. But the issue here is that if they actually execute, and we mentioned it on the recap show that Justin Herbert had Allen open in the end zone on two separate possessions. So it's not just like, you know, he had a chance at one touchdown. This could have been a multi-touchdown game for Allen. The thesis, I think, was strong. It didn't play out that way. I do have some teams that are, I wouldn't say perfect, but they are very, very good. They project very, very well. But they have lost the points from Eckler's score down to Allen's score. I mean, the other thing there is that Eckler was underutilized in this game, and it really came down to those two touchdowns. Now, I mean, if you're betting against Eckler scoring, <laughs> it's always a tough bet. He scores twice. So that part of it doesn't work. But those elements there with Hawkinson also being somebody who's just not going to show up very often, love that. And then calling across the different teams, I was spread through some Zay Jones, some Christian Kirk, some Evan Ingram. All three of those guys have hit. All three of those guys are moving forward. What are we looking at in terms of the roster percentages for Hawkinson and for these Jaguars? Yeah, so Hawkinson, the other part, just to mention with Hawkinson, Sean, something we did was to go with two tight ends in the tight end premium format. Now, Travis Kelsey is somebody who's on pretty much three quarters of the teams in this format, 72, almost 73% in, in the $35 and then 74% in the $200 contest. So having him is obviously going to be most teams across the board, but I think somewhere where we might be able to be different is to have him paired with Travis Kelsey because he's only in 12 to 13% of contests across 
both formats. So having the double of those two, I think could be a little bit where we might have a, a slight edge. You mentioned also Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Zay Jones, 2% owned Christian Kirk, 12 to 14% owned across the tournaments. And I think we've seen this in DFS and I've seen the discourse on Twitter over the last couple of weeks. I, I don't really think there's a, a reason for Zay Jones to be as under drafted or is underpriced across the dfs sites as well as christian kirk you talked about christian kirk and you know how he's been kind of underrated at all stages of his career so far based on what he's been able to do but i think what zay jones has done this season two percent or you know roster ship on, on zay jones is another tremendous edge that people are going to have the other one i mentioned on the recap show that i think is huge is and, and we have gone with christian mccaffrey but the the way that some teams may get a substantial edge is that Christian McCaffrey is pretty much three quarters owned across all formats and, and Debo Samuel is two to three percent owned, which I think is, you know, just a, an astronomical edge if you have Debo Samuel teams heading into these next couple of weeks. I agree. I do think that McCaffrey is still going to be the play, but we've watched Elijah Mitchell be very involved in the last couple of games as well. We know that they plan to utilize this running game so heavily that they don't want to overextend McCaffrey. Obviously, I articulated my frustration or just disappointment, really, because I was rooting more or less against the Ravens, but that they underutilized J.K. Dobbins. We know that the 49ers want McCaffrey ready to go in the AFC Championship game against the Eagles. We know that they want him ready for the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals. Mitchell is a guy who is interesting in the underdog format as you put together the back half of your lineup there. Debo has that chance. And one of the things that we watched at the end of last season and then wasn't as much in evidence to start this year are all these game-breaking plays from Samuel. And the people who talk about, okay, well, you just can't do those all the time. You're going to have regression. You can't manage that type of efficiency all the time. They're both right and wrong in that for a full season, you're not going to be able to create those plays in every game. But the talent that is there, you have to take note of in any individual game, he can obviously be a world breaker and a contest breaker in terms of what he does to both the McCaffrey scoring, the McCaffrey shares, what that does for you as a path through. When you're thinking about FFPC playoff two, if you like the Cowboys as an upset team here with how well Prescott played last night, with how well the defense played then Debo becomes very interesting because one of the things that you're probably going to see, and one of the reasons why McCaffrey is someone that's so difficult to get away from, is that any multi-game stretch, his receiving ability and his touchdown scoring ability separates him by such a large margin. But any individual game stretch, you have a chance for Debo to be the guy and to be the guy by you know, a significant score. And so any type of upset now as... Maybe McCaffrey is underused in a particular game. It gives you a shot. The fact that Debo is right there with McCaffrey and scoring here means that a big game from Debo in a 49ers loss will suddenly mean that in the playoff one contest, he was the guy that you wanted. But then obviously he would be the guy in playoff two as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, and I think we're going to talk about playoff two in a second, but the stuff we are talking through here and how these players were kind of thought off heading into last weekend and obviously some of them having big games is going to put more people on them but when we look at how teams were completely faded in this contest it isn't really a surprise that Miami and Seattle led the way 73.6 percent for Miami 65.4 percent for Seattle but when we look then Baltimore were next up which isn't really a surprise either 26.2 percent Justin Tucker though was the most rostered kicker in this format and the kind of 42 to 44 percent range but Sean, some of the teams that have advanced, we had Jacksonville at 10% faded. Then we have Tampa Bay who haven't advanced, but we have New York Giants then at 8.7%. And we mentioned some of those teams that are Saquon Barkley teams immediately. That is going to give you a little bit of an advantage uh, moving forward. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because we are, one of our teams is a, a Riley Patterson team, for example. Not very exciting. He is 8 to 9% draft. So maybe he does something that gives us a bit of an edge this week over those Tucker teams. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. I would rather have some, you know, I guess, skill player positions available. But I just thought that, that Jacksonville being faded in one out of every 10 teams, and then you mentioned some of the players that, that you've added in. One of those teams we were talking about a moment ago is the Zay Jones team. I think that's an interesting edge. The big difference, Sean, as we move into the playoff two contest is there is no fades this week. It is pretty much similar rules but there's no kicker no defense you have eight teams obviously remaining in the playoffs it is eight players that you have to slot into that lineup and it's going to be similar there's a 35 dollar contest there's a 200 dollar contest so both options available to play in the roster requirements for this one is going to be those eight players that i mentioned one quarterback two running backs two wide receivers one tight end and two flexes the flexes can obviously be running back wide receiver or tight end how sean do you think some of the strategy changes in this based on obviously you don't have to worry about the kicker or defense and you also don't have to worry about which team to fade so it's a case of picking players across all lineups but i think that may lead to a situation where there's even more kind of duplicated lineups with players who are very very popular for example when you're not having to dip down into the the kicker defense pool or fade two teams like we had to last weekend the first little difference here is that because all of these teams are going to play the same number of games, the quarterback position, playoff one, 
We have Josh Allen overwhelmingly rostered in part because with the extra week and with the dynamic players like Travis Kelsey and Christian McCaffrey who could match up in the Super Bowl and score a ton of points, Josh Allen, a viable play on the optimal lineup, even in an AFC Championship game loss. Some of those dynamics shift a little bit now with all of the quarterbacks getting to play the same number of weeks in a Philadelphia Eagles victory, obviously Jalen Hurts becomes very, very appetizing there. Are there ways they can play out where his production is funneled so in, in such a concentrated way through an AJ Brown or a Dallas Goddard that you get some other result? Yes, obviously if you win, but you win in a shootout where Patrick Mahomes is trying to bring the Chiefs back. Obviously, Chiefs win or loss in the Super Bowl. Mahomes is very interesting. But obviously, Travis Kelsey then there as well for the potential massive score. We talked in the first article about how there was an entire month this season that Kelsey outscored Mahomes. Only outscored in five times for the season combined. So obviously, only outscored in five times on the season combined. We know that Mahomes has the edge there. We also know that Jarrett McKinnon has outscored him for a an extended stretch recently. McKinnon, a much more interesting play if you think the Jaguars are going to spring the upset this week but a more balanced roster percentage across the quarterback position in playoff two opens up some more scenarios creates some more variety but also something that you want to consider and make sure you've mentally adjusted for as you project what you think the roster levels are going to be for your competition you have the chance that the eagles if they make it, would not be the highest scoring team. Obviously, if you have Christian McCaffrey in the Super Bowl, he could be the highest scoring player there. Now, with how dynamic Brock Purdy has been, it becomes more difficult to fade him as the catalyst, as the engine for this team. As he throws these touchdown passes, you're going to see him scoring at a higher level than I think people even, you know, even a week ago would have been willing to countenance. So you do have a shifting dynamic there what we're looking to do is to play teams and to play combinations that make sense together and that are going to be a little bit less played than what the field is doing the problem that we had with the underdog tournament and the real kind of fly in the ointment as that developed was that especially early on when we're drafting through the Bengals, it looks like the ravens will be the five seed and so you're not going to hit this elite defense in the first round. The Bengals really the disappointing offensive team. So you don't get points from Joe Mixon. Joe Burrow, even though his score is fine, ends up coming in toward the bottom at the quarterback position. You don't get anything from T. Higgins. You don't have one of these big scores from the peripheral players like we saw Michael Gallup getting into the end zone. You have Gabriel Davis, who is very much a peripheral player for the Buffalo Bills at this point, having a huge game. You didn't get that from them. I think that's going to knock down their usage in a variety of contests and make them interesting in a game with the Bills that projects to be very different, right? If you had had Bengals against the Chargers or the Dolphins, because again, I mean, the Dolphins crater from a pretty decent playoff seed all the way out, then that game for the Bengals looks a lot better in the first round. Now we come into a contest where Bengals against Bills and then Bengals against Chiefs and then Bengals against, you know, especially Eagles. You're looking at them potentially putting up massive point totals, getting a lot of guys involved, having Burrow being an interesting play, even without 
elite rushing ability. And one of the things that Burrow has done is actually added some sleeper value with the legs a lot through touchdowns. We wouldn't necessarily expect that to continue a little bit fluky there. But when you have Chase and Higgins and Boyd and Hurst and some of these other pieces, he's somebody who I don't think he's the best play by any stretch. And yet the gap between how good of a play he is and how many people play it may still be something that you at least want to consider. So you think through that part of it. I also think this game with the Chiefs and the Jaguars is interesting because one of the things that we're probably looking at here as we think about playoff two, as we think about underdog, is that you want to have your team play through a power team on one side and then potentially a mild upset and a big upset on the other side. Again, with the FFPC, one of the things that we're doing is we can only play one player from each team. But even as you do that, the number two player that you play, as opposed to playing the pure chalk lineup. So one of the things we need to do, obviously we have to score as many points as possible, and we have to put out a lineup that isn't duplicated by everyone. Colin, you were kind of mentioning to me that one of the lineups was duplicated how many times? I think it was 206. So if you have to split the pot 206 ways, <laughs> then that part isn't good for you. And just a, not necessarily going to hit even the very chalky lineup. So we're looking for pivots, but pivots that make sense and pivots that tell a story. Colin, do you have a game here as we go into the divisional round that you think is either right for an upset or right for a fantasy scoring environment that maybe people are underplaying? I think that uh, I think all the games are really prime for for high scoring matchups. I do think the the Cowboys Eagles or sorry the Giants Eagles game could flatter to deceive. I don't think maybe it will be as high scoring as maybe we're hoping for. I think it could be the lower scoring game of the weekend. Now that could be famous last words and it could become a monster shootout but it's the one that i'm probably looking to fade out of the most and for us sean will probably do that through Devonte smith for example uh rather you know in those games where i think that it mightn't be a massive hit i'd be trying to take the lower owned off those players obviously saquon barkley is going to be massively rostered in that so is aj brown so is potentially jalen hurts i think there's a very even spread this week and i think that's what makes this week's contest that much more interesting when we look through last week to try and get an idea of how this week might play out josh allen obviously had the extra game versus patrick mahomes or versus jalen hurts he was 44 to 49 percent across both tournaments whereas mahomes hurts burrow they were all in the kind of 14 to 16 percent range obviously that's going to come much more in line this week which for people who maybe faded josh allen in the last contest maybe makes him more appealing at a lower roster ship but players then like brock purdy was you know in the the one to two percent range we have guys then like you know trevor lawrence daniel jones who are less than one percent across both contests Dak prescott less than one percent across both contests i think it tightens up a lot this week and i think we see a lot more players closer in percentages and that's gonna be the same for guys like christian mccaffrey as well guys like saquon barkley who i mentioned but i think at the running back position we might see that escalate a little bit more and we might see a very heavy concentration there last week's most drafted player was justin jefferson who is no longer obviously available in the contest so i think that's going to make the that that a little bit more appealing to the wide receivers but i'm, I'm just very excited across all games but I, I do feel that the the hype around the the eagles and the giants may lead to a little bit of disappointment for people do you do you feel that way or do you do you think i'm wrong there well, anytime that you have multiple rushing quarterbacks, 
you're looking at the potential for a low total play volume game. And I think that's the threat if you're hoping for a lot of volume for Saquon Barkley. You look at the rushing numbers for him versus Daniel Jones. Obviously, Barkley's so dynamic, he breaks the long touchdown run in the last game. He takes one of his receptions and generates some big yardage with that. But one of the issues that Barkley has had in this offense is that he needs to break those plays in order to put up big fantasy totals. He went through a very down stretch during the season where he wasn't breaking those plays and they weren't getting him the ball through the air. And he became even you know borderline unstartable in just regular fantasy leagues, which you would never think would possibly be the case for a Saquon Barkley. We've come back out of that. I like the dynamism. I like what Brian Dable is doing. I think that you have to look very closely at any play that he's not included, but especially if you think that the Giants are going to get behind. I don't think that Isaiah Hodgins is in a fluke in any way, shape, or form, but the other thing you can do is you can pivot off of that after the big game and go back to Richie James, who's also been very hot but was the number three receiver in this previous game. You would expect that to push his roster percentage down very, very low in this upcoming game. One of the other interesting constructions that you can try, and I do think it will be trendier this week than it might have been because what happened in the, in the past week sticks in your head and you feel like, okay, well, this is the path that we want to take. But you saw the big game from Dalton Schultz. We had a game from Dawson Knox where if his second touchdown isn't overturned, then you know he has the quality game. I think that you can have Goddard and Kelsey and Ingram and Schultz, and you can put together this tight end roster. That's very fun. Now, I mentioned the four tight ends. Obviously, you can't do that in this particular format. It just has the two flex spots. You, but you can get up to three there. Tight ends, I do think, will be trendy, both because of their touchdown scoring potential in in a loss. So if you like a particular team to lose, that tight end becomes really interesting, just like TJ Hawkinson was last week, even though he didn't score, but just the raw numbers there. But then also with the tight end premium, what they have to do to create a game where they gap the other players, that part stands out to me. The other element here is that one of the reasons why we played Zay Jones and Christian Kirk in a variety of lineups is that that game with the Chargers was a toss-up and the, the Jaguars players just should have been more expensive across the board to start with. The problem is that Travis Etienne in a one game or a two game situation, I didn't feel like that was, well, when I say feel like, the matchups really didn't project to be as good for him as you would really want the receivers where the dynamism comes from when you look to week two with the chiefs, where if the Jags win, then it's because Zay Jones and Christian Kirk lit them up. Now, I mean, are there some extreme dark horse scenarios where they went in a different way, obviously, but that's how that game projects to play with Trevor Lawrence being unstoppable in the second half there. So you like that in a two game stretch with the Jags. Uh, the problem is that, Jags in a win now, and you go back to maybe that, that's not what you want in the Bills, Bengals, but especially with the Bills. Again, you're going to be able to go through those receivers would be the way to play it. I think Jacksonville, a team to put quite a bit of time into thinking what your scenario is. Column, it's it's going to be. I think Sean. I, mean, I think Sean's we, just putting all the. He just wants to tell everyone that Jacksonville are going to upset the Chiefs, so the Chiefs are going to go out and crush the. The Jaguars and Sean will be happy come next week. I think that you're putting all that juju out there, Sean, but it's going to be Juju Smith-Schuster and the 
Chiefs that are happy at the end of it all. Well, Jacksonville put up 40 on the Cowboys. They come from 27 down against the Chargers. We know they can do it. We also know Andy Reid will have had an extra week to prepare. We know that they're going to have a ton of specific plays in this game that are more or less unstoppable. If Sky Moore is able to go out and do just a couple of plays successfully, I mean, my main thing is that as long as they don't have Sky Moore returning punts, yeah. they're probably in decent shape in this game. But you're going to see, I mean, you're going to see two Kadarius Tony touchdowns in this, right? I mean, you can't actually play wide receiver, but Andy Reid is the gadget play guru extraordinaire. I mean, no one runs gadget plays like Andy Reid. And there's no player in the NFL where that's what they were born to do, like Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony in a Chiefs loss, right? That's your play there. I don't think that we're going to have too much roster exposure to Tony. I mean, it's probably 50 50 whether he pulls both hamstrings in practice this week. I like the way you put in the disclaimer, Sean, there. You said he was going to have two touchdowns, and then you said we're probably not going to have him on any roster. So that was a good disclaimer to add in. Colin, take us out with your divisional round game picks just winners winners i'm gonna be very very low-key here sean i'm gonna go pretty much i think the only game for me that there is well there's two games that are legit question marks overall and that is since buffalo and dallas san francisco i think we see the two number one seeds win both kc and philadelphia i think they're They'll, they'll win pretty comfortably in the end. It might be a little bit closer in the first half, but they, they get the job done. I think Cincy Buffalo is very, very interesting. And I'm finding it very hard to call a winner at the moment um, in that one. I, I just have a feeling Cincinnati are going to take it. And then with the other one, I think the 49ers are the better overall team. We've talked about that in a number of podcasts. Are we fully convinced that Brock Party is going to continue to do that? I think the Dallas defense is a really legitimate test here for him. Um, but I'm still going to say that the, the 49ers have enough to get it done. I, I think that game is going to be very interesting. Where are you disagreeing? Tell me where the disagreements are. I know you're picking the Jaguars, but who else are you picking? <laughs> well, the two teams I would love to see in the NFC Championship game are the Eagles and the Giants. Obviously, we can't get that. They play each other. <laughs> Lucky I'm going to go ahead and pick this the Giants, Giants upset. All right, we got to get an upset in there daniel jones super bowl mvp that's where sean is going with this train yeah we'll have to check in with ben and ceiling lines and see what our props are for that (laughs) how much we have to pay to get daniel jones as the mvp go 49ers we're gonna go chiefs this bills Bengals game i have a lot of trouble with because yeah i mean the Bengals should be playing at home they also unfortunately will be playing without their offensive line that makes it a lot more difficult uh but Bengals. let me go giants 49ers chiefs Bengals. i'm happy with any of the teams getting through this week every team presents a great storyline for the two respective championship games it's going to be an awesome week of football yeah all, all the storylines coming out of this week and entering next weekend are you know, they're, they're all mouthwatering no matter what way it, it plays out. So excited for that. We will be back, Sean, with another show later this week. We're going to do another underdog draft talk, some strategy through that. But if you're playing over at the FFPC, as I mentioned, both options available similar to last weekend, $200 entry or $35 entry. 
and it's basically pick one player from all eight teams see how it plays out through the super bowl accumulating those points i think that is a super fun format to head on over and check out over at myffpc.com sean i always ask people to subscribe to the podcast feed i'm going to ask them if they're still listening to drop us a written and review we do really appreciate that we're hovering getting closer to 200 reviews over there on apple podcast but do drop us a review if you have left one in the past head on over add a comment to it add something else to it say that Sean loves the Jacksonville Jaguars to it, whatever you want to do. And uh, that will really help us out a lot. But my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at over to Maryland. My co-host as always is Sean Siegel. Check out his work up on rotaviz.com, including the FFP, FFPC contest information that will be out as the week progresses here. We will be back on Thursday with another show for you. And until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.